you that we can come to you. And how do we pray? We pray, Holy Spirit, you'll illumine this word as only you can, that you'll bring inspiration and understanding and application and conviction and repentance and transformation. These are the things we ask for as we hear your word, Lord. I have prepared, but Lord, only the Holy Spirit can take our hearts and, and take these words and, and use them um, to, to encourage us, to bring sanity and our insanity, to bring truth to bear upon our own hearts. And at the end of the time, Lord God, to be bringing transformation to make us a people who are more like Jesus. So do this today, Holy Spirit, we pray as the word comes to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was preparing for this sermon, this first sermon in the series, and um, thinking about this idea of living in God's presence, what does this look like? And this song kept playing in my mind. Um, you can put that up. I'm sure everybody's familiar with it, right? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Anybody ever heard that song before? Yeah, yeah, right? So it's the only thing that there is just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, not just for some, but for everyone. And I would say that that's a uh, statement that everybody can pretty much agree with. Can you agree with that statement? Is that what the world needs? Yeah. So let's go to the next statement, though. What the world needs right now is more Christians. Now, what do you think about that statement? Um, do you think people would agree or disagree with that? Uh, many of our friends and neighbors, non-Christians of various stripes, would say, uh, no, nah, what the world needs is definitely not more Christians. Uh, aren't Christians really a part of the problem? Aren't they bigoted, archaic, judgmental, you know? Uh, aren't they a part of the problem, not part of the solution? And, and then we can look around the globe, we can look around the world and um, ask this question again, and what do we see? We see, well, the people in power around the world are persecuting Christians and marginalizing Christians in so many different places. So they would not say what the world needs right now is more Christians. What about believers themselves? Is it possible that Christians are themselves experience a crisis of confidence? What do you think? We look around and say, wow, this world that's so polarized and divided and distrusting and judgmental and hateful. And then we have to say, but sadly, believers are like this with one another and with others. It's kind of like you're planning a wedding. You know how that is, planning that family wedding? And leading up to the wedding, you're looking forward to the day itself. But as you're looking forward to the day, there's some stress. There's you, you, beginning to worry, you know, uh, are you going to be embarrassed in front of your friends by all your crazy family members? That's never happened to you, right? You know, I mean, sometimes as Christians, we can think of our other believers as one kind or another as a crazy family member. You know, I think through this time over the last few years, I think we've begun to see our Christian family and we begin to look at them and we begin to put them in categories. And I, you know, I got to say, I've had to repent of like, they're just crazy. Like, I, I can't really agree with the word they're saying. 
right? So what do you personally think? Do you agree with the statement, what the world needs is more Christians? You have to think twice. Be honest with yourself. Here's the one thing we do know. The Bible actually agrees with this statement. Jesus in his crucifixion and resurrection has caused the kingdom of God to erupt within this world. And it's on its way, the new heavens and the new earth where everything will be made right and everything will be made whole because Jesus died on the cross for us. It's not ultimately up to us to be good enough for God, right? We know that. We've heard about grace. But only to receive Jesus, whose good and perfect work has been done on our behalf. But this work isn't just for us individually, right? It's for communities. It's for peoples. It's for people's groups. It's even cosmically something that's necessary. A world and a universe of justice and healing and joy is coming. Here's what Romans 8, 19 and 21 says to us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Think about that. Eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The vehicle, the means by which God is performing his rescue mission for the world, his redemption of all things, is the church of Jesus Christ. Is the church of Jesus Christ, his chosen people, his royal priesthood, his holy nation. And this is why the Liberty Communion of Churches exists. We believe this. We believe it that the vehicle of God's rescue and redemption of the world and all things is the church of Jesus Christ. And so we move forward in mission together. The mission of Jesus is good and people need the message of Jesus because, yes, what the world needs is more Christians living out the character of heaven on earth. That's the important piece, living out the character of heaven on earth. So today's sermon is the first of three that are going to be, they're being preached communion-wide. All the churches in the communion are preaching these sermons for the next three weeks. And just to remind you what our mission statement is, if you could put that up, Adriel, the mission statement of the Liberty Communion of Churches, we want to live, speak, and serve as Jesus' very presence wherever God has placed us. We want to live, speak, and serve as Jesus' very presence, wherever God has placed you. So when we typically think about Christian mission, what comes to mind is there's things we need to say, there's things we need to do, and that's all true, and it's all incorporated in this statement. That's the speaking part, that's the serving part. But the first part of the mission statement is living in this world as the very presence 
of Jesus. It's deeper and encompasses what we say and what we're to do. And that's where we're going today. We're going to be looking at Christian living as Christian mission, and then Christian mission is needed now. There are the two things we're going to be looking at. And I'm going to be taking Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18, as Josh had mentioned. I'm going to be using the Amplified Version. I like the way it explains some of these terms. Um, sometimes you, you lose this, but uh, so let me just read it to you. So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed, what have you obeyed? My instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with all inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating you in the longing and ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation among whom you are seen as bright lights, beacons shining out clearly in a world of darkness, holding out and offering to everyone the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to rejoice greatly because I did not run my race in vain nor labor without result. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith for preaching the message of salvation, still I rejoice and share my joy with all of you. You too rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. So Josh pointed this out in the very beginning. Just a little recap of what's gone before this, right? There was this beginning where he talks about having this fellowship with God and as we were to do that, we were to value others above ourselves. We were actually, actually to look out for others' interest as we look out for our own. And basically what he was saying was, the example for this is Jesus. So the way you do this is to have the mind of Christ. And he moves from that, showing Christ in his humility, in his coming, in his obedience to, to death, even though he didn't have to die, and, and, and doing that, he brought salvation and was exalted. And then he keeps moving here, and this is really interesting where he goes. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. This is your mission. This is his will and purpose for you. And we see this in different parts, but this is where Paul is going with this. So as the story of God continues from the Old Testament into the New Testament... Paul is indicating that a lifestyle shaped by God's word is about outsiders. You got to get this, right? Obedience has something to do with those that are outside the community of faith and not just with those that are inside the community of faith. And, and that's the meaning of the words bright lights or shining like stars in the universe. We can look at the passage that this comes from in the Old Testament. It's Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Listen to these words. Those who are wise 
will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. See, the followers of one true God shine like the brightness of the sky. And those that do will turn many others to righteousness. This idea by our living, by our obeying, by our shining, that's a witness by which others that don't previously know Jesus come to know the way, the truth, and the life that is Jesus Christ. It's like the song we just sang. We sang the way, the truth, and the life, but we also sang the children's song, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Don't hide it under a bushel. No. No. And, and this isn't such a crazy concept, right? Um, think about our culture. How does fandom work? Everybody knows about fandom, right? How does it work? Whether it's sports fandom or pop culture fandom or techn technology fandom, whatever it is, you have all these different fan communities and people are attracted to these communities because they see those within this fandom community as those which they align themselves with, sort of the object of their fandom. And they have a great time. And it's awesome. Outsiders want to be able to join in this type of alignment of fans. And it's, it's life-giving for so many, right? I just think about the tailgaters down at these games. I mean, that's a community in itself, is it not? And it's life-giving. You know what? It doesn't matter if it's going to be a blizzard. They're there early in the morning. They're ready to go. Because it's all about them being together in that community. And it's attractive, and it's attracting them. And that, that's sort of the idea here, right? Old Testament, New Testament, today, the faithful people of God are both, listen to this, a showcase and a preview a showcase and a preview people to the outside world. Listen to this summary of what this is like in Acts 2, starting in verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now listen to the result. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People saw it, they were attracted to it, they wanted to be a part of it. And what, what we know is that thousands came in this time, right? This was, a, this was a community that was truly attractive. It's always been this way. An early Christian apologist in the second and third centuries after Jesus, his name is Marcus Minicius Felix, said this. You can put the quote up. The beauty of life causes strangers to join the ranks. We do not talk about great things. We live them. And what Felix means here is that the beauty that others see in glimpsing followers of Jesus is attractive and alluring. Others want in. It's not just about talking, big talk, doing great things. But no, we live them out. And that's a life that's beautiful a lifestyle that reflects the character of God, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, or today. What it does is it showcases the beauty and grace of God to others. 
Michael Goheen, he's a theologian, writer, and influencer, writes this about Abraham. At the very beginning, this idea is prevalent. This is something that's new. Thus, Abraham, his family, and the nation that will issue from him are chosen to participate in God's mission to enjoy God's redemptive blessing and to walk in the way of the Lord so that the nations might participate in that blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing to the nations. And whether it's for ancient Israel or today, we are to be living proof so that the nations and our neighbors might also participate in the blessing of God. We're to be a showcase people. And then we are to be a people who preview, give that preview of what's to come. One more time with Michael Cohen and uh, this, this quote. The lives of Jesus' followers are to be signs of the kingdom of the healing and liberating power of God breaking through into history. Since in the future the kingdom is coming, we ourselves with our lifestyle point forward as a sign of what is coming. Christians simply living out Christian life are a preview. I love the word, the aroma of Christ. I love it because what is it? When you go somewhere and you smell something good, it's a preview for you. You go, go, you smell those cakes from the bakery. Where is it? It's alluring you. It's attracting you, right? I got to get that. You know, you're on the boardwalk and there's all these smells of saltwater taffy and all that type of stuff. These aroma is sort of this preview of what you're getting. We in our lives are the aroma of Christ. We are a preview of what is coming. God in all his fullness, when the trump shall sound and the Lord descend and make all things new once again, we are a part of previewing and showcasing that reality in our relationship with God and with one another. You think about it that way? Yeah, therefore, Christians, us, Living the Christian life is just not about us. Does the world need Christians? Yes, the world needs Christians actually living out the character of heaven on earth. Remember, Paul talks about this, and, and he talks about it in a way where he's saying, yes, and one of the things that we can have is the fruit of the Spirit, because the fruit of the Spirit is all about us being in relationship in that character, so it's having that character of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Would you say you don't want to be around a person like that? Or would you want to be around a person like that who has that character? No matter where you're at on the globe, what type of person do you want to be around? What type of person do you want to be when you think about that, I want to be a person. I pray it a lot. When I step in the relationship, I'm going somewhere where I don't know people. Or I'm going to a family event. What do I pray? Lord, give me love. Give me joy. Give me peace. Give me patience. Give me kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And also, I need wisdom, Lord. And I, you know, and I just keep going on. Because I need it. And I don't have it. 
The Spirit needs to give it to me, and the Spirit is more than willing to give it to me when I ask. And isn't that not only what I want to be, but the type of people I want to be around? And if the Spirit's going to do that in us, then Christians are needed in this world in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. The living before others in the presence is a part of our liberty mission statement. Living, speaking, and serving as Jesus' very presence. Yeah, For believers, it's a big part of our mission, how we live. Simply, humbly, transparent, Christ-like lives. They're the key to God's mission for the world. And so here's the question. We simply have to ask our questions. Are we doing it? Are we living this way? What do my neighbors think about me? What do my friends in school think about me? What do the people I work with think about me? What do they see? Do they see something in me that's otherworldly, that's supernatural, that's attractive, that is the spirit of God and me reflecting the character of heaven that others would look at that and say, there's something in you, there's something about you that attracts me to you. We have to ask ourselves seriously that question. And we, as the Liberty Communion Churches, want to be a people who are actually living this way as the showcase and the preview, whether it's in our churches here, our churches in Jersey, our churches in central Pennsylvania, our church in Florida, wherever that might be. But that question is, is a big question for all of us because as we begin to do that more individually, then we begin to do it more corporately. Then we begin to become something as an organization. I don't even want to call it an organization. As the body, as the communion that God uses in a very powerful way. So, and that's where we move to. Christian mission is needed now. It's needed for this moment. Why is Christian mission needed? <laughs> it's needed because our world is broken. And it's dark. And it's a hard place to be. But we are to be living proof. We're to be the aroma of Christ. We actually need to be the beauty of the bride. Think about that for a moment. You know, in our culture right now, there has been for a while now a growing consensus that life is completely random. We come from nowhere. We're going nowhere. We're just this random collection of atoms floating along in the senseless sea of the universe. And at the same time, there's so much effort expended to try to join these two levels. This idea that we, at the bottom, we're sort of in this cosmos without purpose or meaning. But in our ongoing development is based upon what? Genetic determination or survival of the fittest? It's sort of this idea. And yet on the foundation, we'll try to place ethics, selflessness, honor, integrity, compassion. The problem is that 
it's just about impossible to bridge those two. You can't be living survival of the fittest and in the same way saying, well, I want to be selfless and I want to have integrity. Because what's most important in there is if I'm living that survival of the fittest, it's all about me. And it's about me being the God of my life and creating those things that are best for me. So how does that lead to selflessness or integrity? So you can see that there's this, this wide gap, and we see it in our world all around us, because you read the newspaper about, I swear on the Bible I'm going to be an honest politician. And two months later, they're being put up on charges for being completely dishonest. And I'm not just, just pointing out politicians. It's all over. It's the human heart, is it not? Sort of where we're at. And that's why the Christian mission is that we are to be the people who are reflecting the beauty of the bride, the aroma of Christ, the showcase and preview. There's something about it that when it's being lived out is attractive. In Ezekiel 16, God describes his love and care for Israel when he found her, And he found her alone and isolated and despised and abandoned and full of shame and guilt and no hope. And yet, as God came and lifted Israel up, it tells us in Ezekiel 16, verses 13 and 14, you became very beautiful and rose to be a queen, and your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty, because the splendor I had given you made your beauty perfect, declares the sovereign Lord. See, attractive not attractional, but attractive organically, not programmatically. You got to get that, right? It's who we are. It's not something we program. Incarnational, not institutional. Christ came and he was incarnational in his relationships. It wasn't about the institution. It was about what was inside, what was the part of the, the, the actual essence of that it is. And as we do this, we're a showcase and a preview for what is coming. The people of God in union with Jesus through the Holy Spirit become the community of the presence of the risen Jesus Christ. And this becomes irresistibly attractive. Have you seen that happen? You guys know me. You've you've heard me preach on these types of things. I'm so glad the communion thinks like me. I'm so glad that they interpret scripture this way. Because some of you have said, Ange, you've been preaching this for years and years and years. It's true. I have. Because this is the scripture. This is the mission. This, we are the vehicle and the means. God wants to use us. And I'm thinking that in this room, many of us have already been used in different ways to be attractive and to be a showcase and to be a preview. I've been with many of you on missions teams And I've seen it happen in powerful ways, right? But it isn't just about being on a team. It's it's that everyday life, everyday opportunities that we have, our everyday experiences with people that we work with, we go to school with, we have playgroups with, there's kids' activities and neighbors and family, and all our uniqueness through the life and death and resurrection of Christ, God is actively at work in our world today, using all of our ordinary lives in ways we would have never 
imagined. And we give an expression of God's kingdom in anticipation of that great homecoming. This is a wonderful call. We do need to ask ourselves the question, am I shrinking back from this? Am I, am I fearful about how people are going to think about me? Am I unwilling to listen, to understand before I speak? Am I too quick to judge? Am I willing to pray for people? I just love that Dan Olasky, I, sh- I used it last week on ESPN. How amazing was that? Nobody knew what to do. It was, it was the power of God. It was so attractive. He just said, wait a second. Everybody's talking about praying. Why don't I just pray? And in doing that, he was such a powerful witness. Nobody could say a word. It was too attractive. It was too powerful. Have you ever asked somebody who's talking to you, hey, can I just pray for you? Can I just pray for you? You know, we have a message of hope. We have good news. I'm a pastor. I go to places where people are dying and I can bring hope. We all can. We have joy that goes deeper than our sorrows. We can bring that with us. And that's the beauty of the bride. Each one of us, I don't care how old you are, young or old, it doesn't matter. We live out this presence and we encourage one another in doing that. We encourage one another in doing that. So that's, that's, that's part of the mission statement. I love what Joe Aldridge says. Let me just sort of end it with, with this quote. A beautiful bride That's the key to being a witness. Brides bypass intellects and capture hearts. Tough, calloused, hardened men are known to weep in their presence. Men of steel melt and their wives get misty-eyed. Ideally, a bride is the epitome of all that's right and beautiful. She is the symbol of purity, hope, purpose, trust, love, beauty, and wholeness in a world pockmarked with ugliness. The bride motif found in both the Old and New Testaments is used by God to illustrate his strategy for attracting people to the availability of his life-changing grace. Can I hear an amen to that? Let me just pray for us together that God would do this work in us, that we would become more and more people who live the presence, live the beauty of the bride, become the preview and the showcase. Let's pray. Father, just want to thank you this morning. Lord, thank you that your word speaks to us and speaks to the depths of who we are, reveals to us purpose, reveals to us how you call us to be your ambassadors, to be your ministers of reconciliation, to be the aroma of Christ, to be salt and light, to be a showcase and a preview, to shine like stars, Lord God, that others might see, that others might be attracted so that when we do speak, like we'll be talking about next week, and we do serve, 
there would be open hearts wanting to know about this Jesus who loves them so much. Start with us, Lord. We've been praying for renewal. We're praying for revival. We're praying for awakening. Start in our own hearts, Lord God. Renew us, awake us, revive us, that we might, Lord, be people who are becoming more and more Christ-like and the beauty of the bride, that others might be attracted. We pray this, Lord, and we pray it in your precious name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. i oh.